Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, BSN listeners, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft Coffee is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. These guys' reviews are just incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee, while it's taken away long-term migraines, along with back pain and arthritis, IBS, it's also helped to decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee itself is just rich and tasty. And we personally could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. And you can receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout. And you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here, as always, on a Monday. We are presented today, of course, by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Fresh week of shows for you guys. This week, a lot of good content coming your way. Hope you all had a good weekend. On today's show, I'll get to a couple questions that I got through email here. Everyone loves to talk about the small forward position. Could we see a different starting small forward for the Nuggets next season? So couple questions on that and maybe a potential target, which I think would definitely be an upgrade there at small forward and would kind of hit on a few components that Denver's roster has been missing. There's one name that's really come to mind here. A couple listeners brought it up. It's a name I've floated on the podcast before, so I'll talk about him in a second. And then I'll get into what I thought of Paul Millsap season. I'm going to start breaking down every player one by one over the course of this week and into next week as well. A bit of a season in review style. Pretty much go over their season, what really stood out, where they excelled, where they struggled, maybe give these guys a grade for how well they fared this season, and then tackle one pressing question that has to do with each of these players. For Paul Millsap, for example, who I'll get to in a bit, it's how integral is it going to be for Denver to bring him back next season? How important, how big of a priority is it going to be for the Nuggets, or should it be for the Nuggets, for Paul Millsap to be back in Denver next season? So I will get to that in a moment. I want to remind you guys, if you do have questions for the show, two ways to get your question on the show, wind at bsndenver.com through email or on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. So this one comes from Mario. He says, Hi, Harrison, fellow CU alum. Listening to your pod is always great work. However, I completely disagree with you on Will Barton. I'm willing to sell you all my stock on Will and my neighbor's stock as well. If the Nuggets start Barton at the three beginning of next season, then the offseason will be considered a complete failure. Mario goes on to say, I'll bet you a Dr. Pepper that the Nuggets find a new starting forward before next season starts. Barton is best suited as a six-man off the bench. That's his role on this team. He's 28 years old, and he is what he is. He's not going to get better. Personally, I like Will just like you do, but the Nuggets have to do what's best for the team. Barton has always played best when he plays 20 to 25 minutes a game. Time to move on from the bad experiment of him starting at small forward. Mario goes on to write, 
my suggestions for possible starting forwards the Nuggets can acquire. Robert Covington from Minnesota. The Wolves are cap-strapped. They need to do something in order to relieve their cap issues. Covington's salary of $11 million fits in nicely with either trade exception the Nuggets have now for Wilson Chandler or Kenneth Reed. Good points there. Covington is also a plus defender and serviceable on offense. His salary is not bad by the next three years. $11 million, $12 million, $12.9 million. The Nuggets would be able to get a draft pick along with Covington because Minnesota would not be taking back any salary. So basically, the Nuggets could add Covington and a future pick without having to give up any assets. Wow, that'd be a huge win. Number two, Tareen Prince from the Atlanta Hawks. Word out of Atlanta is the Hawks are looking to trade him. I did not know that. He's from the 2016 draft class and will be looking for an extension beginning of next season, like all our 2016 first rounders. The Nuggets could take a risk and give him a qualifying off, and then Prince is a restricted free agent next summer. I like him on the Nuggets offensively. He's an above-average ring, can hit threes, can initiate in the pick and roll, and can create his own shot. His defense needs to improve for sure, but I feel part of his bad defense is because he's been on such a bad team in Atlanta, potentially. He's the perfect player who needs a new team, new energy, and the Nuggets are the right fit for that. Nuggets would be able to get him for a future first protected top 10 pick. Number three, Boyan Bogdanovich with the Pacers. You've talked about him before. I bet he might be interested in joining the Nuggets. Probably could get him for two years at 15 mil each. 15 mil each seems like a lot for Bogdanovich, just my opinion. Lastly, I would also like to see the Nuggets draft a small forward in the second round for depth, make a trade to get a pick. What do you think of Lewis King from Oregon? He looks like he has some potential. Thanks for the email, Mario. A lot of interesting points there. I'll start with the first thing you said, Mario. I'll take that bet for Dr. Pepper that the Nuggets will find a new starting forward, a new starting small forward before next season. I think it's going to be Will Barton. Uh, So I'll I'll take your bet there. And I I know you're right that he's best suited as a sixth man off the bench. It was only a year. It was only in 2017-18 when Will Barton averaged 18 points per game on 48% shooting from the field, 40% shooting from three, 5.6 rebounds, and 4.4 assists in 37 and a half minutes per game as a starter. He started 40 games in 2018 and put up unbelievable numbers, which is why Denver wanted to move him into the starting lineup, or one of the main reasons why. Obviously, he was hurt last year and never really recaptured that rhythm. But again, I'm buying everybody's stock on Will Barton. So I'll take yours, Mario. I'll take your neighbors as well. I like Robert Covington there. And I'm glad you brought his name up He's a name I've teased on this podcast before. He's a name I've floated to some people about, hey, would this be a guy that, you know, maybe Denver could look to acquire? Because we look at all these top tier free agents, right? And we say, oh, Denver could really use one of those guys that's small forward. They could really use a Clay Thompson or a Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard. Robert Covington is obviously not in that tier. He's not even in the tier probably of a Tobias Harris or a Jimmy Butler, or a Chris Middleton. He's probably a tier below that, but he's gettable, I think. And those guys, I don't know how gettable those guys are for Denver. Robert Covington, though, seems like he'd be gettable. And how gettable he is, it's really going to be determined based on what direction Minnesota is going to go. And they've got a new front office there, Gershon Rochus, signed from Houston, their new GM there. They've got a whole new front office. I really wonder what direction that front office takes things because they could really go in a number of different directions. They could say, hey, we have Carl Towns here. We have Andrew Wiggins on this god-awful contract that we're not going to be able to trade. 
we've got Jeff Teague. We've got the remnants of this eight seed from two years ago. Maybe we just look to try to get back into the playoffs quickly here. You know, the ownership situation kind of a little rocky there. Maybe we just try to win some games here. Just try to get this thing going in the right direction. Really jumpstart this rebuild quickly behind towns. We have an all NBA center who's at or near his prime. Let's just try to get back in the playoffs around him. If Minnesota goes that route, they probably hang on to Covington, right? Like Covington's an above average wing. He's a better, much better than replacement level wing. He's a really good defender. He's a guy who's given Gary Harris fits before. He's a guy who's played well against the Nuggets. He's the type of guy you want to play against the Golden States of the world, to play against the Oklahoma Cities, the Utahs, the Houstons. He's that multi-positional defender that every team wants that can you know, maybe shut down or try to shut down on Donovan Mitchell one night, James Harden the next night, and then shadow Kevin Durant you know, two nights later. So maybe Minnesota wants to hang on to him, but maybe that front office comes in there and says, hey, we've got to kind of cut off all the extra fat around Carl Towns, keep him at the center of things, obviously, but try to get out of this Andrew Wiggins contract, try to get out of this Robert Covington contract, build through the draft, and they've been trying to build this thing in Minnesota. They got to the eight seed. They obviously regressed this season without Jimmy Butler. This thing seems like it might top out at like a six seed or a five seed at the most in the West. We should just start over around Towns. I don't know how happy Cat would be about that. I don't think he'd be thrilled and... I would just really, from a humor standpoint, from an outsider's perspective, love to see Minnesota try to get rid of this Andrew Wiggins contract. Uh, I just would love to see the tweets come down that says, Minnesota looking for teams to take on Andrew Wiggins this summer will attach draft pick to help facilitate that thing. So maybe if Minnesota's new front office goes that route, they look to find a new home for Robert Covington. And I like what you said there, Mario. He would fit into a couple of those trade exceptions that the Nuggets have. So I don't know. I'm not sure what direction Minnesota would go. But again, Covington, he's one of those guys that would obviously be an upgrade at the small forward position. And he's gettable. He's in a tier below those top free agent wings that we usually think about that we've been talking about in this podcast for a while. But he's way more gettable than those guys. So he's an interesting name to watch. I'm not sure what Minnesota would want for him. I would assume if they do like to trade him, they'd want draft picks, which Denver had, doesn't have really a surplus of, obviously, this year. They've got some going forward, though, so Denver could dip into their uh, draft pick stockpile in future years from now, maybe a protected lottery pick on there or something like that, protect the top 20 pick. Maybe Minnesota would be interested in Malik Beasley. He's up for the rookie extension, obviously. He's got Gary Harris in front of him here. I don't think Denver would deal Harris for Covington. But with Beasley's emergence, I think it's a question you have to ask if they would think about flipping Gary and maybe you could even get something from Minnesota with Covington back. But I think they'd probably prefer to deal Beasley and maybe Minnesota would look at Beasley as a nice young building block to take over that starting shooting guard spot from Andrew Wiggins if they are able to deal him you know, with a couple draft picks attached there. So Covington's interesting for sure. 
I think he'd be a great fit on Denver. And like I said, he's a little gettable too. Your other points there, Mario. Tareen Prince from Atlanta. Not really too sure on him. I, I've liked what I've seen from him in spurts. Um, I don't really know why Atlanta would be looking to get off him in a hurry, at least before this season. You know, at least see what he can do this season and then think about restricted free agency for him. Not as desirable as a target as Covington, but would fill somewhat of a need. I don't know if he's head and shoulders better than Will Barton, though. I think Will Barton, when healthy, is a better player than Torian Prince at this point. And then you go on to talk about Bogdanovich, who I could see being a decent fit here, would give the Nuggets a three-point shooting option that they didn't have last season. I would anticipate, though, Denver would need to have that starting small forward spot open for him to want to come here. He just played a ton of minutes in Indiana. I don't really foresee him taking a backseat or, or a roll off the bench here. So if Denver didn't move on from Will Barton, like you speculated there, maybe that could be a fit. Thanks for the question, though, Mario. Really appreciate it. Interesting stuff there. I like the Covington question that you bring up there. And I also got another email about Robert Covington. So he's hot on your minds here. This one comes from Rob. Hi, first of all, I want to say I'm 30 years old and I had not played basketball for six years. I always considered myself a bad player because I never used to score much. In school, my friend used to pick me quite highly when picking for a team for pickup games and I never knew why. Recently, I've started playing again and I'm happy to say this is in part due to Jokic. Love it. Although I'm not a good basketball player, I now have the confidence in my pass-first mentality, and I'm really happy to be playing again. That's awesome. My second point is your thoughts on a Covington trade. Is he worth it? How likely is it? What would get him? And due to the injuries, is his value diminishing? I think a Barton-Plumley package for Covington would do it financially, but I also feel it does devalue us as a squad. But for playoff time, I would feel we would be stronger with a better starting small forward. Let me know what you think of Covington as a player and a trade target. Rob from the UK, not the same Rob from the UK from the other day, though. Thanks, Rob. So a lot of the similar points there that I just went over, I think if you're Denver, you're probably looking at like a Beasley package. I'm not sure Denver would jump to get rid of Mason Plumley. I know it's tough to remember, guys. He was unbelievable during the regular season, didn't fare well in the playoffs, but I don't think that two poor playoff series from your backup center should immediately signal that, hey, Denver needs to find another backup center and get rid of Mason Plumlee this offseason. I don't think that's the case at all. I have the feeling the Nuggets are still very happy with Plumlee, and I expect him to be back next season. So I don't think Minnesota would be interested in Barton, like you said there, Rob. Like If they're dealing Covington, I think they're looking more towards a rebuild and looking to clear salary, not bring on a similar type of salary that's also tied up for three more years in Barton. So I don't know how quickly they jump at that. I think a guy like Malik Beasley would be much more attractive to them. And maybe you could throw Minnesota a future protected first to really get the ball rolling. Do his injuries diminish his value? I think that's a valid question because Covington has been injured. He was injured a ton last year, only played a combined 35 games, 13 with Philadelphia. And then of course the Timberwolves acquired him in that Jimmy Butler trade at the beginning of the season. And then his year was over 
after December 31st. That was the last game he played, and he underwent knee surgery a couple months ago. So that's definitely maybe a little bit of a concern. He's still fairly young, 28 years old, still has a lot of good basketball ahead of him, but knee surgery, uh, it's always uh, something that raises a red flag. Maybe that diminishes his value a little bit, but I do agree with a lot of your points there. Covington's a guy you want for the playoffs. He's your combo forward that can play the three and the four that can guard three to four different positions. He's just the type of guy you want for the playoffs. If I'm Gershon Rosas, the new president of basketball operations in Minnesota coming from Houston, he was in that front office for a while. I look at Covington as kind of a guy I want to keep around, similar to a lot of the six, seven to six, nine wings that could shoot threes and defend a little that Houston has had surrounding James Harden over the last couple of years. That's just me, though. Maybe he thinks differently. We'll see. Maybe Denver looks to explore that this summer. I think they should. In a few minutes, I'm going to get to some thoughts on Paul Millsap's season, where he excelled, where he struggled, and eventually tackle the question of how integral it is going to be for Denver to bring him back next season. I did want to remind you guys real quick that right now on bsndenver.com, for those of you who are not subscribers, you can go to bsndenver.com backslash subscribe. And if you sign up for an annual subscription, we're offering a free t-shirt along with it. If you're not familiar with the BSN Denver locker, I would definitely encourage you guys to check it out. We've got really cool Nugget shirts on there, Bronco shirts, Avalanche shirts, Rocky shirts. A lot of them are big hits in Denver right now. So again, if you purchase an annual pass, it's only going to come out to $3.33 per month and you get a free t-shirt of your choice from the BSN Denver locker. We've got a lot of great content on the site that you would get a subscription to right now. Tons of Nuggets content coming out over the rest of the offseason. I've got a feature that I'm really excited about, likely dropping this week that you'll be able to read. Tons of more content throughout the offseason around the draft, free agency, of course, like we've been talking about, Summer League, which I know you guys are big fans of, as am I. You also get access to our Broncos, Rockies, and Avalanche coverage, which is also top-notch as well. Also, remember to download the BSN Denver mobile app today. You can find it on iTunes, on Android. A great way to stay up to date with all the content we're putting out at bsndenver.com. With that, let's hit our first break. We'll be right back. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. 
For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com and use promo code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here on a Monday. Quick bit of news here before we get to what I thought of Paul Millsap season. Denver's hosting their first pre-draft workout of the summer Tuesday at Pepsi Center. Six prospects are scheduled to be in attendance. Javon Bess, St. Louis, six foot six forward. Cavell Bigby Williams, a six foot eleven forward out of LSU. Jordan Davis, a six foot two guard out of Northern Colorado. Justin James, six foot seven guard out of Wyoming. Tanner Nagome, seven foot two center out of Ryerson. And then Josh Reeves, six foot four guard out of Penn State. Denver doesn't currently own any draft picks in the 2019 NBA draft on June 20th. But don't worry, based on how well the Nuggets have drafted in the second round as of late, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets acquired a second round pick, something late in the draft, just to take a flyer on somebody, somebody that they like, somebody for their summer league team. Wouldn't be terribly surprised if that occurred. I don't know if any of these guys are second-round candidates. None of them are projected in the first two rounds of ESPN's latest mock. Jordan Davis, I know a little bit about him. The all-time leading scorer at University of Northern Colorado up the road in Greeley, Colorado. A bit outside of Denver. But look for him to maybe wind up on Denver's summer league team. High-scoring guard uh, who's got a cool story with him, and he'll be among those working out at Pep Center Tuesday. So I'll let you guys know on tomorrow's show, Tuesday afternoon show, what comes of these workouts, if there's any big takeaways that you guys should know about. I will be sure to let you guys know. On to Paul Millsap. I'm going to do one of these for every player on the Nuggets roster where they really excelled last season, where they struggled, and then answer one question that's kind of looming this offseason about each player. I'll get to that when it comes to Paul Millsap in a second, but real quick, the measurables on Millsap's year to kind of get us started here. 12.6 points per game on 48.5% shooting from the field, 36.5% shooting from three, 73% from the line, 7.2 rebounds per game, two assists per game, almost one block, and one steal per contest. So Millsap's scoring numbers in his second year in Denver went down. He averaged 14.5 points per game in 2018, his first year in Denver. Of course, only played in 38 games that season because of that wrist injury. Played in 70 games this year, but only averaged 12.5 points per game. The reason for that? Well, he just didn't play as many minutes this year. Millsap played 30 minutes per game in 2018, that was down to 27 minutes per game this year. And with that, you saw his field goal attempts decrease from 11.5 per game to 9.5 per game this year. He saw his three-pointers decrease from three threes a game last year to 2.3 threes per game this year. But his efficiency went up. That's the big takeaway here. Millsap, he shot a better percentage from the field, 48.5% this year compared to 46.5% last year, and a better percentage from three. That's the big one. 36.5% from three this year compared to 34.5% from three last year. That 36.5% mark he hit from three, it's the best Millsap has shot from three since 2011 when he was in Utah. 
where he shot a career-high 39% from beyond the arc. And the 48.5% he shot from the field this year, that was his highest mark since 2013 with Utah. So he was really more efficient on the offensive end of the floor this year, obviously partly because of the fewer attempts than he was last season or any of his seasons in Utah. And when you look at his advanced stats, they tell a similar story. 57% true shooting percentage for Millsap this year. That's his highest since 2011. And so on the offensive end of the floor, I feel like Millsap had a great year. He really did what Denver needed him to do as a lot of times their fourth option in the starting lineup. You know, if that was Malik Beasley starting at small forward or if that was Torrey Craig starting at small forward, Paul Millsap was probably the fourth option in that starting five behind Nikola Jokic or Gary Harris or Jamal Murray, maybe sometimes a third option. But he really filled a nice little void for Denver on the offensive end of the floor, I think. You could count on him late in games. Denver went to him often in fourth quarters. They went to him often in first quarters to establish him on the post. And overall, probably had a lot to do with how healthy he was this year compared to last year. Millsap just looked a lot more comfortable, specifically on the offensive end of the floor. He said so in his exit interview at the conclusion of this season. He was happy with the year he had. And I think he's right on that account. Denver was also a better offensive team with him on the floor this season. Nuggets had a 113.2 offensive rating with him on the court compared to a 107.1 rating with him on the bench. A lot of that has to do with Millsap playing a lot of minutes with Jokic, of course, in that starting lineup with that starting group. But Millsap also logged a lot of minutes with the bench, particularly in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, Denver had a 115.8 offensive rating with him on the court and a 101.7 offensive rating with him on the bench. That bench unit struggled in the playoffs, but at times, really throughout the entire first two rounds, except for those last couple of games, Millsap was one of the few bright spots on that second unit. Also, Paul Millsap finished 19th overall in RPM this season. 19th. Here are some names that he was ahead of. Kyrie Irving, Carl Anthony Towns, Pascal Siakam, Draymond Green, Marcus Gasol, Kawhi Leonard, Blake Griffin. He finished ahead of all those guys in RPM. He was second on the Nuggets in RPM, ESPN's kind of all-encompassing statistic behind Jokic, higher than Gary Harris, much higher than Jamal Murray. And he was 23rd overall in defensive RPM. And I guess that brings me to where Millsap made his biggest impact last season. You probably saw this coming, but it was on the defensive end of the floor. Nuggets had a 104.8 defensive rating when he was on the court, a 107.5 defensive rating when he sat, and we really don't have good statistics to really describe and to take into account how big of an impact defenders make. Paul Millsap does so many things that don't show up in the box score, and if you're ever watching a Nuggets game, And I think I said this when I got a question earlier this year about what things do I watch when I'm watching a Nuggets game? I think I said I watch Paul Millsap's defense off the ball because if you're a young basketball player, you're looking for tips on how to play defense from the help side, from a team perspective, just watch Paul Millsap. Watch how he always keeps his head on a swivel. Watch how quickly he can navigate across the paint coming over from his defender to provide help to one of his teammates who gets beat. Look how low he gets in a defensive stance 
when he's defending off the ball and in the post and how low he keeps his center of gravity. He does all the things that you wish everybody does on the defensive end of the floor. And with him, Denver is obviously a much better defense. And the Nuggets getting to the top 10 in defense from where they were last year, coming from the bottom 10 where they were for three years in a row, into the top 10 last year, and they finished as the 10th overall defense in the league per NBA.com. You've got to give Paul Millsap a huge chunk of the credit there. The coaching staff deserves credit. Gary Harris deserves credit. Torrey Craig deserves credit. Nikola Jokic deserves a lot of credit for improving as a defender. But Paul Millsap is the biggest difference from last year to this year. Him being able to play the minutes he did and him being able to play the amount of games that he played this season, that was the biggest reason why Denver was able to jump up to a top 10 defense in my mind. It was Paul Millsap's presence on a night-to-night basis. He still had a couple injuries here and there. Obviously, nothing close to as severe as the wrist injury he had last year, and he was able to overcome the ailments he had this season. You can also see throughout this season, and even parts of last year, his defense has rubbed off on his teammates. I think a big reason why Nikola Jokic is as good of a defender as he is, and I believe now he's... Not only an average defender, I think he might be a slightly above average defender. (laughs) That might seem crazy, but I was saying all along this season how I would list him as an average defender for his position. Even as he was getting knocked for his defense, I always believed he was about average for his position. Now I think he might be slightly above average, and he deserves a lot of credit himself. He's much more committed. He's giving a lot more effort on that end of the floor. He's just trying a lot more. And if you guys have listened to this podcast, you know that a lot of defense is just effort. Jokic gave more effort this season. But I also do believe that a big reason why his defense improved is because he's playing next to Paul Millsap every night. And on the practice court, he's watching Paul Millsap play defense at that level that he does every practice. And Jokic probably thinks to himself, man, Paul Millsap's a four-time All-Star. If he's playing defense at this level in practice every day, if he's playing defense at this level every minute that he's out on the court during games, that's probably the level I need to get to if I want to be a four-time All-Star. And obviously, Jokic is much more skilled offensively, and he could be terrible on defense and still become a four-time All-Star, could become a 10-time All-Star just based on his offense alone. But I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Millsap's commitment to defense has really rubbed off on Nikola Jokic. Maybe it will rub off on Jamal Murray next year and the rest of Denver's young roster. But I do think, going back to my original point, if you're looking for one reason, the main reason, the leading factor, why the Nuggets were miraculously able to move from one of the worst defenses in the league over the last three years to a top 10 defense, it was because of Paul Millsap. Led Denver in deflections, had a team-high 34 in the playoffs, two and a half per game. That just kind of speaks to the little things that Paul Millsap does. But here's the craziest stat that I found when it comes to Paul Millsap. When Paul Millsap is healthy in the lineup, Nuggets are 71-37. and When he's out of the lineup, when Denver is without Paul Millsap, they're 29-27. and Nuggets are a 500 team with Paul Millsap out of the lineup. When they've got him, they're one of the best teams in the league. And a lot has been made 
about the contract Paul Millsap signed in Denver when he came here as a free agent two summers ago. And people said, oh, man, the $30 million a year, that's way too much for Paul Millsap. He got a lot of heat, a lot of unwarranted heat in that first season when a fluke wrist injury sent him down for 44 games. But he proved this season, and he even proved in parts of last season, that he is well worth $30 million a year to Denver. And if you still don't think he's worth $30 million a year to Denver, you either didn't watch the Nuggets closely enough last season or just really don't know basketball. If you're still holding on to the fact that Paul Millsap is overpaid and not worth $30 million a year and wasn't worth $30 million a year to Denver last year, you just don't know basketball. That's all there is to it. He was integral to Denver's playoff run last season. I think, and this is going to sound crazy, he was arguably Denver's second most important player last year. He's probably their third behind Jamal Murray, but I think you could make a real case that because of what he brought on the defensive end of the floor, and defense is half the game. Don't forget, defense is half the game. You could make a case that he was their second most important player. Probably have to give that title to Jamal Murray when looking at just the games Murray flat out just won for Denver. But I think the case is there. So Millsap was absolutely integral to the Nuggets' success last year. And transitioning to next season, and the question that I want to tackle when it comes to Paul Millsap is just how integral is it? How important is it for the Nuggets to bring him back next year? It's very important. The Nuggets absolutely need to bring Paul Millsap back next season. I would be okay with Denver accepting that team option and bringing him back for $30 million next year. I'm to that point now. I know I've said on this podcast before that the best route to go would be declining that and restructuring that. And that might be the case, but I don't think it's the end of the world if they bring him back on that $30 million figure next season. Why? A, because I think this year we saw that he could be worth that dollar amount to Denver. And I think he was for what he brought defensively. And he'll probably drop off a little next season, but he could still have that same impact defensively. And secondly, if you accept that option, you only have him on the books for this one more year. And maybe after next year, Jared Vanderbilt's ready to assume that starting power forward spot and do a lot of the things on the defensive end of the floor that Paul Millsap did this season. He won't have the experience. He won't have the moxie of Millsap, a 13-year pro, but he does a lot of the little things on the defensive end of the floor that you could see translating to a game-changing player on the defensive end. Jared Vanderbilt can be that guy one day, or maybe Denver is just in a position to bring in a different starting power forward at that point next season. Or maybe even they still look to bring Millsap back at that point. Maybe they still think they can use him after, if they were to accept that option and he would play out that deal. The other option, of course, Denver declines that team option for next season, re-signs him to a two or three year deal that I would think would probably equate to around $30 million. So he's able to recoup that team option that the Nuggets would decline. Maybe that's a three-year deal where he's making $10 million a year. Maybe that's a two-year deal where he's making $15 million a year. That would give the Nuggets a little bit more wiggle room when it comes to pursuing a free agent this year. So maybe the Nuggets go that route as well. I think both routes would be all right, to be quite honest. 
if they accept the $30 million a year option, they don't have them on their books past this season. And you guys already know, I don't anticipate Denver being big players in free agency this summer, even with the top names that we've talked about. If it was up to me, I would probably try to decline that and work out something just so I could still make an addition, a free agent addition, you know, get a Trevor Ariza, get a Garrett Temple, somebody of that nature, a couple of those guys that I laid out last week, maybe a Kyle Korver, maybe a shooter of that magnitude would fit well in Denver. And if you decline that Millsap option and work out a deal at a lower dollar amount for next year, you have a little more room to work with in free agency. So that's the route I would go with personally, but I can understand if Denver feels that picking up that team option is the best course of action there. Overall though, it's incredibly important for the Nuggets to bring Millsap back next year. If they lose him, they're not far enough under the cap, I don't think, where they'll be able to really go out and get somebody who can equate his value next season. I don't see that guy out there. A lot of people have brought up somebody like Julius Randle. Julius Randle is a force on the offensive end of the floor. Denver's defense would fall way off with Julius Randle playing the Paul Millsap minutes next season. I don't think that's a real logical option out there. You could look at a guy like Alfru Kaminu. I'd probably rather have Paul Millsap. I think he's just a more sound team defender than Aminu. So it's incredibly important for the Nuggets to bring Millsap back next season. It's vital. And the only reason I could see Denver not bringing him back, or the only factor that would be in play that would make bringing Millsap back less important, it's if the Nuggets can get in on one of those top tier free agents, which I wouldn't rule out completely, but I wouldn't categorize as likely. I'm going to hand out a grade to Millsap, and I'll do this with all the players that I touch on as well in one second. First, though, a quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. You guys know by now, but Strava Craft Coffee is a game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We cannot recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. If I had to give a grade and assign a letter grade to Millsap here for his work this season, I'd give him an A. He was everything Denver could have hoped for on the defensive end. He was the leading factor, like I just outlined a couple minutes ago, that helped transform the Nuggets defense, which was one of the worst in the league over the last three seasons, to a top 10 defense this year. You can give credit to a lot of people, to Gary Harris, to Torrey Craig, to Michael Malone and his staff, to Nicole Jokic. You've got to give the most credit to Paul Millsap, though. And that was something that was apparent from really the first couple games of the season. Offensively, he did what the Nuggets really asked him to. He had his most efficient season since 2010. And if I'm Millsap, it's not like he as a 13-year guy is going to go into the summer looking to add specific things to his game. But if I'm him, I get my body healthy, I stay in shape, and I just shoot a lot of freaking threes. Because he's going to get even more wide-open spot-ups next year than he did this year. And he got a lot of them this year. And he made a lot of them too, his highest three-point shooting percentage in quite some time. But if he can hit 38% of those threes, God forbid, 40% of those threes, 
that would make Denver's offense even more potent. So that's what I would say to him heading into this summer, and I'm sure he knows that. He, he's one of the smartest basketball players I've come across over my time around the team. Nikola Jokic is probably the smartest, and it's a bit unfair to compare anyone to Nikola Jokic because Jokic is just a basketball genius. He's in the top 1% of basketball IQ. But Millsap is close. He, he's such a smart defender, and he's got such a smart way in how he sees the game. So that's what I've got on Millsap. I'm giving him an A for his performance this year. I feel like he was great defensively. He was pretty good on the offensive end of the floor. And he really gave the Nuggets what they needed from him this season. He was well worth $30 million this year. And if you find yourself still pushing back on that point and still hitting on Denver for handing out too big of a contract to him, I'm not sure what else I could tell you at this point. But he was great for Denver last year. From everything I've heard, all indications from talking to people around the team is that Millsap will be back one way or another next season. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't back, and I do believe the only reason he wouldn't be back is if Denver gets an inkling that they have an in with one of those top-tier free agents, which I don't anticipate happening. So that makes me say that I have a very strong suspicion, and I would be very surprised if Millsap is not back here next season. I think that's all I got on today's show, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, let me know what you think through email, wind at bsndenver.com or on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSNA-394, 1-800-BSNA-394. I'll be back with another episode on Tuesday. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory. And then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.